And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Pastor John Vance. And John, it's a great honor to have you on with us today. Well, it's my privilege. Um, And uh, anytime uh, I'm on the radio with you, Dan, I feel blessed to be able to be heard of some of the things that I've thought about in recent years and experienced. And to our listeners, you may recall that Pastor Vance is a fellow board member here at Redeemer, and uh, he's helped us a great deal in terms of perspective and coming in on crucial times and helping us a great deal. Today we have a rather large subject, and that is uh, kind of understanding the times in which we live and the role of the church at home, abroad, and... um, I don't know about you, Pastor Vance, we didn't really talk hardly at all before we opened the mic, but I am troubled as I see um, the way things are going in our own country. Um, At least at some level, I'm I'm troubled. At other levels, I, I see the spread of the gospel and people coming to know the Lord or growing in the Lord, and that's very good news. Um, I think of a number of letters of appreciation that we get almost every week here at the ministry where people are writing and telling us that the Lord is using the ministry, so that's very positive. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the times in which we live, and uh, this is going to be a very informal discussion, (laughs) like a fireside chat, so why don't you take it away and tell us what's on your heart today. Some years ago, uh, almost 40 now, I wrote a piece for Presbyterion. That is the uh, Covenant Seminary Review. It was published, uh, uh, I don't remember what year, in the mid-'80s. I wrote it a little earlier. And uh, in that, I I, uh, could easily see, as many had seen before me, that there would come a time in the U.S. when there would be a great fault line that formed between uh, the church and culture, and it's happened. There's been a, a terrible uh, uh, bifurcation uh, between the church and the general culture in our lifetime, particularly in the last uh, 10 to 15 years. And uh, others, of course, before I even wrote that, had seen something of this sort. But I don't think we we understood the depth of the divide, nor how precipitous it would be. But then we 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 find uh, the true church uh, no longer uh, in sync with much of American culture that it formed. Mm. You know, from the time of the Puritans until through the revivals of the 19th century into the 20th century, at least up to World War II. Um, Christianity in America, particularly Protestant Christianity, was quite a culture-shaping influence. Mm. Mm. But that has melted away, dissolved, and that's that's really where we are today. Yes. Some time ago, our mutual friend Mark Diedrich reminded me, and probably you were there too, of uh, the fact that the Great Awakening had a profound effect upon the formation of these United States, and um, without that probably there would not have been a, an American Revolution. And uh, the heart of the matter is really the heart, uh, isn't it? I, 
we see a lot of lot of evil flowing out um, culturally right now, and that comes from bad hearts, doesn't it? Yes, the great historian Sidney Alstrom of Yale, he's, he's deceased now, but he said there was a revolution in the hearts of the American people before there was a revolution uh, with respect to uh, England. Yeah. And that revolution in the heart was the Great Awakening. And I know there are people who are praying for another Great Awakening, and, and rightly so, but uh, we are far down this uh, divide. Uh, as, as we look up, at least as I look up, I'm going to, to say it from my perspective. Uh, as I look up, uh, the left uh, has gone uh, crazy in one sense. Uh, mm. They no longer, as I was talking to a, a, a man from Westminster Presbyterian Church that's moved to Long Island, he we keep in touch over the phone. Mm. And... Um, he said to me the other day, Pastor, are we under the judgment of God? And I said, well, I really don't know, but it seems like it. Yeah. Uh, look look at the situation we're in. Uh, the left in this country, and I'm thinking here about the elite politicians, elite political class, has arrayed itself against the ordinary person in America, not just Christianity, but the ordinary working person. And... Uh, the universities and the colleges, uh, for the most part, are untrustworthy. Uh, they seem to be much more about indoctrinating than actually teaching and teaching people to think. And look look at this past election with big tech and the role it played mm. uh, in this. It's difficult to get communication out. Yeah, it is. Uh, we're being, in some ways, a shutout, and you can see that clearly with big tech. And of oh, course, yeah. the news the news media is ninety uh, percent of it is an absolute cancer. <laughs> that is so true. It's difficult to get uh, at things. You know, it, it, reality is hard to get at anyway. Heraclitus, the ancient Greek philosopher, once said that nature was hard to get at. He was talking about the cosmos and hmm. balls like gravity that we discovered later, things like that. But human beings uh, and understanding why they do certain things is hard to get at as well. Mm. And um, we need God's light to be able to see ourselves the way we really are. And without the light of of God's Word, I'm afraid that uh, we enter into darkness. Yeah, so true. The simple thing of opening your Bible and reading it is um, sometimes it's hard to do that. I don't know why the resistance, but uh, when we do do it, and we should be doing it often. It's wonderful. I mean, there's something powerful about the Word of God. It's hard to explain, and yet it benefits our soul so very much. Well, I've been reading uh, a little bit about crowds lately. Um, uh, there are a couple of excellent books, one from the 19th century and one uh, all about 20 years ago that I just ordered to, to read. I haven't read that one, but I read the older one. On crowds, and I, I, I looked hmm. up, and then we were going to talk, I looked up a couple of verses about crowds, and I found uh, one that's often quoted, and I actually thought it was from Proverbs, as much as I've read the Scripture and preached from them, uh, it actually comes from Exodus chapter 23, verse 2. <laughs> and uh, in that verse, it says, Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. 
you know, we have a herd mentality today. Oh, yeah. And the herd is often wrong. Now, don't get don't get me wrong. Uh, sometimes the herd is right. The multitudes follow Jesus, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. But also, a multitude can follow the wrong path. And I'm afraid that we are in a period where uh, there is a herd mentality, and it concerns me greatly. Uh, Jesus himself said, or enter, enter through what? The narrow gate? Mm. Or wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Yes. Just because the Christian is outnumbered in the way the Christian thinks, or or uh, biblically, uh, doesn't mean that we should follow the crowd. A multitude does not make things right. No. So that's 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 an important lesson, I think, for us today. You know, it's kind of shocked me um, in the past oh year or two or so, and today we're talking with Dr. John Vance. It's what is commonly called now cancel culture, but that's just a fancy term for an old fact that's been around for many years. Um, When um, an oppressive government takes over a people, what do they do? Well, they, they burn the books (laughs) or they, they, they shut down a church or they shut down certain voices that are saying something that they don't like. And I've never seen anything quite what we're going through right now, Pastor Vance, of this cancel culture. It almost took me by surprise a bit. That's true. Uh, cancel culture, of course, is a way, a way of excluding or a way of of nullifying the effect or the voice of a person, and it's happening over and over and over uh, through big tech and also uh, just simply through the media that's sided with uh, what I would call delusional thinking. Mm-hmm. And anyone... Uh, you. Show you how delusional our thinking is today. Uh, you, you know that uh, uh, this COVID nineteen vaccine has had a tremendous effect on our country. But we've been told by good science over and over that our children need to be back in school. It hardly affects young people, right? But yet we have teachers' unions that will not teach. We have newspapers and our TV stations and radios supporting that. Uh, they don't really call them out the way they should. Mm. Uh, we have an open border, which we can't control our country. It's changing our culture drastically away from Christianity. That's another problem, by the way. Oh, it's huge, We yes. ought to have immigration. We ought to have immigration, but it ought to be controlled. Uh, the U.S. has a right to admit uh, people into its country, but it has a right to admit people lawfully. We're destroying societies, uh, or some of our states in the Southwest and the West, uh, and the more pop- populous states are, are being uh, inundated. Uh, and it's one thing after another. But here's the, here's the you might say, the uh, thing that got me the other day. I turned and found out that, math- that mathematics, arithmetic, is racist. Yeah, I, I heard that too. It's it's shocking, isn't it? I, I read the I read the the the, the case against uh, mathematics as being a a, a racist uh, concept because you look for the right answer, and a right and people don't always agree on the answer. Well, let me say this: if we didn't agree on the right answer, we couldn't uh, maintain our bridges. We couldn't send a person to outer space if there wasn't a right answer to things. Absolutely, we couldn't accomplish these things. Our whole life depends on 
getting some things right. Oh yes. And I thought I thought mathematics was secure, but I guess it's not. I'm afraid not. Well, today we're talking with Dr. John Vance. He is the former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Rock Tavern, New York, and he now resides in West Virginia. And um, have you seen a big difference in culture, um, Pastor Vance, in going from upstate New York to West Virginia? I don't think so that much. I was shocked. <laughs> I thought I would see more. Um, yeah. I found my little pocket in New York State, in the Mid-Hudson Valley, right, uh, to be a, a very secure, <laughs> while I was there, yeah, a very secure and, and uh, uh, very rewarding uh, experience, uh, church-wise, mm. uh, and otherwise, too. We loved going into the city and enjoying the culture. We had a friend who played the Philharmonic, so we got some free tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that uh, we, sure. we missed. So what shocked me is that I'm going to my mother's family church, and it's a mainline denominational church, but it's always been conservative. Mm-hmm. And the people basically are on a devotional level. But when it comes to social issues, they are all over the place. And I, I think <laughs> if we even talked about social issues within the congregation at all, and we have a small congregation, that the fur would fly. That's right, it would, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's kind of shocking and I, I attribute to this, uh, attribute this to the fact that we are not well taught in the church, in many of our churches. Right. Um, we've not learned the basics of right and wrong that the Scripture teaches. And I see this. Now, these people have as much, uh, so the ones I have in mind, not all of them, but the people that I have in mind have as much devotion to Christ as anyone else, it seems mm-hmm. to me. And they love Christ, and they talk about His blessings, but boy, they turn around and support things that are absolutely contrary to Scripture because of party politics. Yeah, it's so true. Um, the Church can have a wonderful uh, effect on culture um, if it gets these basics right that you're talking about. Um, we, we can think of some outreaches of churches um, and and the most important, of course, is the preaching of the Word and administration of the sacraments, seeing God's people fellowship together and singing. Um, I was reading of, of one church that would sing psalms out in the public square as a witness, and God would bless the, the strong singing as those men would get together and, and sing psalms. And we see other things, other outreaches, like... Um, Simple things that take a lot of work, but food pantries, um, uh, visiting or writing prisoners, you know, the guys that are in jail, um, the crisis pregnancy centers. People pour their hearts into these things and actually help. They help women. They help save the lives of the unborn. Um, Some people take up a job of of teaching English as a second language, mm-hmm. thereby helping those who, who have immigrated in. Um, so um, there's a lot of good that can flow out of a church. Absolutely. It's the, it's the body of Christ, and Christ has not abandoned his body, and he works through the church. Speaking of the church, one of the problems that we have, Dan, is that many uh, fundamentalists and evangelicals, those who 
turn to the Bible most often have a low view of the church. But but the scriptures uh, are clear that it is the body of Christ, and Christ died for the church, the scripture says. We're saved individually, Mm. but we're also saved individually in community. Yes. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is very important, and it has a witness that no other institution can possibly fulfill. We have a (laughs) mission on earth to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth until... Jesus calls us home, or he comes for his people. Yeah. So uh, the church is a vital institution, and everything you said makes me extremely hopeful that no matter how dark it may be on the outside, uh, there is light on the inside. And I would love to see once again many, many, many turn to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and and to be see his churches filled, uh, that they might hear God's word. Amen. Now, we're in that time of year that you labored very diligently at when you were at Westminster, and that's the the Lenten season. Yes. And um, this past Wednesday evening, we were remote, but we tied into a service on YouTube from Westminster Presbyterian Church, and um, Kevin's son was actually preaching. His name is Justin. He did a wonderful job. But... uh, this is an important time of year as we lead up to the events surrounding that would lead to the resurrection of Christ. What a marvelous thing it is. Well, Paul makes the statement, of course, that if there is no resurrection, then we are people most miserable. <laughs> right. uh, the resurrection is our hope. And, Amen. Uh, the resurrection is a witness that this life, uh, when it comes to our earthly end, is not over. Uh, The writer of Hebrews says it's appointed unto a person once to die, and after this, the judgment. And it's through the resurrection that that judgment can be a blessing. It's through the judgment that God says to his people, Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord, Mm -hmm. thy good and faithful servant. So it's a a great privilege for for Christians today to, to be faithful at a time when a certain voice and a clear voice of the gospel can lead people uh, back to their Lord and their Savior, and uh, that is the mission and ministry of the Church. Uh, today, there are approximately, according to Open Doors, uh, well, there are about 2.3 billion Christians on the face of the earth, according to, you know, in name, some of them are, of course, in name only, and others are truly Christians and so sure. forth, but we don't want, we can't sort that out. That'll be God's design. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, According to this ministry, 380 million Christians are under severe persecution. Mm. Uh, And the top 10 uh, countries that are persecuting, uh, North Korea and Afghanistan are at the top. Uh, There's one uh, Hindu country and one agnostic country, North Korea. The Hindu country is India that's persecuting, but the rest are Muslim. Yes. All eight. uh, And and about the top 40 almost every Muslim country is persecuting Christians. Yes, yes. And um, But do you know that the Church is growing? And even in Iran, the Church of Jesus Christ is growing in Iran. It's, in fact, I read an article recently where the fastest-growing Church in the world, and now it's very small, but the fastest-growing Church in the world is in Iran. Oh, that's so neat. That just, that that's wonderful. I didn't know that. And uh, 
the largest church in uh, all maybe a couple of decades, uh, three, two or three decades, Lord willing. Uh, if, uh, I won't be around probably, but uh, uh, will be China. It'll have 300, uh. million, 300 million Christians are projected, and they're being persecuted. Yes. But the persecuted church in China continues to grow, and the government's getting worried about it uh, more and more. Sure. Sure. So at India is persecuting, but we're growing there too. So while there may be a diminution of Christianity in the West, and there is some, and it concerns me, actually worldwide in Africa, <laughs> Sub-Saharan Africa, Indonesia, China, India, the church is growing yes. more than ever before. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, today we're talking with Pastor John Vance. We've got maybe um, three or four minutes left. And... Um, it is a tremendous temptation to allow ourselves to get discouraged um, because there are some real setbacks in our country right now for freedom of religion and just just sound governance. Um, one, I just pick at random, Pastor Vance, but one that was really neat to me to consider was that our nation had reached the point of energy independence and uh, I don't know if people yeah. understand the tremendous blessing that is for a country. Uh, maybe it kind of surpassed people. And, and, you know, the media, the lying media, the way they are, they won't bring it out. But this is a tremendous blessing for a people. Just think, you don't have to buy your oil from people that hate your guts and want to blow you up. And just that fact alone should be uh, a major fact but somehow it, it has escaped um, the average Joe on the street. And um, it looks like we're going down the path now of, of losing our energy independence. And that itself was a blessing of God, and I hope that we can see our way through to uh, maintain this energy independence, but I do have my doubts. Anyway, that was just a random little fact. Well, that that actually fits into the delusional thinking that we have yeah. uh by the far left, it's delusional over sexuality. I mean, oh, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, this confusion of uh, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, I did read a quote. I want to get in here to you. I, I actually copied it down, uh, and it's from uh, a book uh, on crowds, the madness of crowds. And <laughs> the author, by the last name of Mackey, says, "Men, it has been well said." think in herds. It will be seen that they go mad in herds, while they only recover their senses slowly one by one. Mm. And we need an awakening one by one through the Holy Spirit yes, so yes. that we can begin to see reality again. But don't follow the herd no. today. It's the most dangerous path that possibly could be. You know, once in a while, I'll get in the mood, and I'll just... Uh, look on YouTube or one of the feeds, um, and watch an evangelist. You know, that's a special gift. Uh, many people don't have the gift, uh, where they simply preach the gospel and, and people respond. I was looking at one the other day, uh, a man, I think his name is Luis Palau, who now has uh, got cancer and is at the end of his life, but it was, it was kind of neat to watch him preach. And, uh, you know, we think of some of the other ministries, and I know they're not perfect, Billy Graham, but God 
God used these people, and um, I remember well, did. I remember interviewing people from time to time and asking them, well, how did you come to know the Lord? And time and time again, it was, oh, well, I was, I was at a Billy Graham rally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and uh, yay, you know, God, God used them. And so um, it's, it's kind of simple. Um, we must, it is. We must, it is. We must confess our, our sins to God, you know, the triune God, and ask him for his forgiveness and to um, um, change our hearts and lives. And it works. I mean, it's like, it just works. It's like uh, a guy that's dying and he's giving oxygen and, and, and intravenous and all of a sudden he starts coming around. But it's much more than that analogy. It's like, Here's a dead corpse that is brought to life spiritually, and and so it's a miracle of God. Well, I'll let you finish it out. we got about 30 seconds left. I think Louis Palau that you mentioned was uh, actually came to Christ under Billy Graham crusade. I'm not sure about oh, that. My. But, uh, you know, some of our evangelists do have warts, uh, as, as uh, oh, yeah. one famous uh, politician one time, the portrait ask how he should paint him. He said, well, paint me warts and all. <laughs> well, we all have warts, but still God chose to use earth and vessels. And yes, the gospel goes forth through imperfect servants, but the gospel itself is perfect. Amen. And it brings people to Christ. And uh, that's what it's all about for the Christian. It's, it's coming to know Christ. And I was thinking the other day, and I'll say one last sentence, whatever destiny Christ has, that is mine. Amen. Because I'm united with him, and as he lives, so shall we. Amen. Beautiful ending. Our guest has been Dr. John Vance, former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Rock Tavern, now residing in West Virginia. Pastor Vance, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dan. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. 